Good morning, happy Sunday, and welcome back to the Under the Scope podcast, where we discuss music. I'm your host, Will Brost, and calling in, my good friend, my pal and my confidant, Patrick Anderson. How are you? Doing pretty good. That's great. That's great. Um, We're doing our first quarterly review, quarterly report of 2021. Mm -hmm. We're officially three months into 2021. And uh, we've decided to recommend some of our favorite albums over the past three months that we haven't discussed on previous podcasts. So you're not going to be hearing much about Black Country New Road, Slow Tide, The Weather Station, or Weezer here, in part because neither of us like The Weezer, and this is a recommendation podcast, but in part because uh, <laughs> we've already shared our opinions on those records on a previous say, episode. If, if, if- if we one of us did want to recommend the Weezer podcast, it would actually be there the the Weezer album. That would this would be a great podcast to do it on. <laughs> to be like, yeah, I've completely changed my tune on this. You know what? I I get it. It clicked. Yeah, um, <laughs> that's not going to happen here today. But there were plenty of albums that we did want to showcase. Uh, maybe some under the radar esque. You know, under the radar ish. You know, maybe not the most popular albums of all time, but, you know, if you're in tune with the indie community, you might be aware of some of these records. Um, but, you know, we love sharing our opinions. We love sharing our recommendations. That's why we started this podcast. And so I always look forward to these quarterly reviews. Each of us has three albums that we'd like to um, recommend today, and we'll go in-depth on to why we're recommending them. We like to give them awards as we present them, mm-hmm. and uh, this should be a fun time. I'm excited. Uh, we don't consult each other prior to the podcast on you know, what our selections are, so I have no idea what Patrick's going to pick and vice versa. So yeah, and we've somehow never repeated still. That's incredible. That's, it's seriously incredible, and I think we do a good job of being like, oh, well, this is an album that I'm going to probably recommend, so maybe, mm-hmm. you know... Um, so yeah, yeah. Um, would you like to start, or would you like me to start? Uh, oh, put me in the. I'll, ch- I'll I'll start this time. Okay, okay, very nice. I'll I'll, I'll pull a selfish move here. That's <laughs> I mean, okay. I mean, it's, <laughs> I'm not going to hold you too bad for that. <clears throat> yeah, I'll start off um, with this podcast. Yeah. Um, also, I wanted to preface this too by like yeah. this quarter has been really yeah. solid. Like all of my recommendations, I actually like a lot, um, but actually haven't listened to as much music. I think in general this quarter um, as I have in the past. So it was interesting. Like the there was like a lot of quality stuff that I had listened to, but um, it was less quantity than it has been in the past so i think that that's just a a sign of like how much good stuff is still out there to to find um from this year so you know that's pretty been pretty impressed by this this quarter so far yeah i've had i'd say my quarter one is slightly different the the recommendations i'm recommending today i love and Mm -hmm. you know um I don't want to get too deep into spoilers here, but I already gave Black Country New Road a nine earlier this year, and I'm giving out another nine today. I don't give Ooh. out a lot of nines, you know. I give out maybe just a handful a year, um, and the others are, uh, you know, 
not quite nines, but you know, mid to high eights, I would say. But the the other issue I've been having is um, most of the other albums I've liked this year are kind of in that seven range, unfortunately. So it's sort of been a uh, I don't want to say hit or miss because seven is still good, but mm-hmm. it it hasn't been the most consistent year for me. But I absolutely love the albums that I love. So that's yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think overall, really, really solid quarter. So yeah, um, yeah. So kicking it off though um, is probably the most obscure, honestly, on this list because I had never heard of this group um i don't know if really anybody had Mm. like i think that this was something that just kind of blew up because of rate your music and i've been using rate your music a lot more Mm -hmm. this quarter than i have in the past and it's been pretty cool like uh i've found a lot of stuff that i'm like uh not so cool but um also found a lot of stuff that i think is really interesting and um enjoyable and this one definitely stood out um is to see the next part of the dream Mm. by korean emo shoegaze pop band uh paranool i think that's how you pronounce it is this the album with the smokestack yeah okay nice nice such a cool album art too it's got kind of like a wind waker cell style aesthetic to it like very pleasing very nice yeah so yeah you've you've heard of this mm-hmm. then um yeah it's it's been making its rounds in the underground scene right your music core scene um and it's definitely you know for <laughs> for you and for those who know what rate your music is it's definitely one of those type of albums <laughs> um <laughs> And like that is that can be a really good thing and not a bad thing, but it can be kind of an annoying thing at times. And sometimes I'll find like music music on these message boards that like people are going crazy about, especially like indie albums or emo albums and sometimes metal albums um, that people are going crazy for. And I'm like, eh, like I'm not seeing the hype and just kind of get disappointed because the expectations are set too high. Um, so I was honestly thinking this was going to be another one of those, um, but it's awesome. Like mm. the more that I dive into this, uh, it's the more heart I feel come from it. Um, the production on it is actually pretty inventive and like catchy and um, has a lot of elements that are very traditional kind of shoegazy email elements to them. The, buzzy guitars are there the yeah the influences from uh (laughs) my bloody valentine are (laughs) very apparent um but there's also yeah just a very refreshing there's it there's a refreshing amount of instrumentation on here with um these very bright shimmery synthesizers that are present throughout and the heavy leaning on um melodic hooks um, that make it a really enjoyable and pleasing and memorable project. Um, and a very wholesome project in some ways, too, because um, I was reading the write-up that the artist did for this, and it's a very simple kind of concept to this record, but basically um, the idea was 
uh, about it's sort of a sounds like semi-autobiographical concept where it's about a person who's this is from what he said the person whose body is an adult but mind is still a child due to the wide gap between ideal and reality he believes he's talented and he believes he will definitely become a world tour rock star in reality however he's never played a guitar until he was 21 his singing skills are fucking awful and is below average in height and appearance and everything wow (laughs) how will he react now he has just faced reality as an adult after adolescence Hmm. it's like kind of sad and like but very relatable like sentiments to um you know people in their 20s especially that are facing up to the reality of having to become an adult and letting go of some of some immature-ish way too high expectations for their life but also having this desire to um, still chase after some element of this, some mm-hmm. like intrinsic truthful element of these passions and everything. Like it's a hard place to be at. And I think that the, the way that uh, he broke it down on that little write up was very relatable and very wholesome and uh, doesn't, doesn't hide behind any thick layer of pretension or anything like that. I don't know. I've just been really, this, this one has been, has been really nice to just kind of sit or throw on and sit and listen to and feel kind of like supportive of this guy. Like you got this man, like that kind of thing, you know? And, and it's um, kind of cool to see how heavily this has blown up um, across rate your music and even across, uh, the regular music critics crowd because Pitchfork gave it a pretty nice score. Um, I think I've seen like a few other sites like Sputnik Music have been talking about it quite a bit too. Like um, it's kind of nice to see that this is, this is sort of getting it due. Um, And like all the physical copies are sold out on Bandcamp. Um, Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I didn't really talk too much about the music, but like I said, it's the guitars are just like perfectly buzzy. I love the texture and the uh, bright shimmeriness of the synthesizers that are added to it. They're very pleasing. Um, the melodies are really catching and engaging, and there's enough like straight up rock slash noisy elements to it that keep it uh, that that give it an, enough of an edge to kind of keep it moving forward and not just like a vibey melancholy um shoegaze emo pop record right um so it's it it it's a predictable album that also kind of um subverts the predictability and you know that helps kind of turn it into something very memorable and it's just a treat to listen to so um I'm giving it a solid 8 out of 10. Very nice. And this one is Bandcamp only, I believe, right? Yeah, um, I, yeah, Bandcamp only. As opposed to, say, like Spotify or Apple Music, right? Um, yeah, yeah. And, you know, if you like it on Bandcamp, it's a name your price um, purchase. Nice. Um, so, yeah, it's it's still accessible to, you know, if you want to download and add it to your Spotify or Apple Music after that. But, 
Um, yeah, I definitely recommend checking out Bandcamp for any of these artists anyway, just because Bandcamp is generally better about paying. So, And, and I should care about that? Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. Yeah, Bandcamp band is great. I music now. Yeah, no. <laughs> My music. I don't pay. Uh, no, and, and not only is it a rate your music, darling, but I want to say, and I've been looking at rate your music more this year uh, than I have in the past, and I want to say it's still number one on their just albums of 2021 right now. Um, yeah, yeah, I think you're right. So plenty of hype there. I've been meaning to listen to it. I haven't gotten around to it um, at this time, but uh, yeah, yeah. Um, we're sticking with rate your music, darlings. Um, nice for for mine. Uh, this one is my favorite album concept of quarter one. I've been pretty hush hush on my other two recommendations. I'm not sure you'll see these coming, but this one I I've been pretty vocal about. Uh, this is the Genesis Ousu record. Uh, smiling with no teeth. Um, nice. Genesis Owusu is a Ghanaian Australian singer and rapper. Smiling with no teeth is his debut album, and I think it's a great genesis for his career. Are you still there? All right. Okay. Okay. Very nice. Yes. Yes. Very. Very you got good. Got that one out of your system. That's right. Very good job by me there. Um, I, I mentioned that this is my favorite album concept of the first quarter. So I'll just start there. Um, the album concept centers around two black dogs, one for each half of the record, more or less, give or take the first black dog explored on the first half of the record is a metaphor for depression. Um, it, it kind of reminds me of the video game Celeste in a way, which is a near perfect video game that you should play if you haven't, but it's sort of, you know, here's our protagonist, our narrator, Genesis Owusu. And then, his depression is like a manifestation in, in, in that uh, it's like an external manifestation of his of his feelings, and this depression sort of physically chases him and acts on his behalf um, throughout this first half of the record. Uh, the song "The Other Black Dog," for example, is about the black dog just chasing him wherever he goes. You know, he can't escape it. There's a pulsating tense instrumental to the track to kind of set the scene um the song gold chains is about using retail therapy as an ultimately unsuccessful coping mechanism for that black dog mm. um there are several lyrical moments on this first half of the record that sound unexpectedly dark or sinister and that's because they are delivered from the perspective of the black dog there's a song uh waiting on you it sounds like a smooth r&b slow jam but when you pay attention to the lyrics, it sounds pretty perverted and warped. Um, it, it, it doesn't sound like a love song if you're like actually paying attention to the lyrics. Um, it, but there, there are a couple songs here where Genesis Owusu, he fights this black dog, so to speak. He, you know, he comes to the realization that he can be independent from his depression. He is not his depression. You know, it doesn't define who he is. Um, so there is some optimism uh, there. The second black dog uh, on the second half of the record is a much more literal interpretation of the word black. Um, Genesis Owusu, who is black, uh, you know, this black dog is a metaphor for racism. Uh, there are songs on this half about bigotry and more so like microaggressions. Um, 
the song I Don't See Color, which is, you know, a good thing you should say to, you know, people. Uh, <laughs> it, it has some of my favorite lyrics on the record. You know, here's, here's a couple that stood out to me. Um, the burning of a bush told me that I was great, but the burning of a cross told me to play it safe. When you see the Arab man, it's the bombs and flares. When you see the Asian man, it's the yellow scare. When you see the black man, it's riots and terror. But when I talk about slavery, you weren't there. How convenient. Um, Dang, yeah, yeah, I, I really like it. And, um, yeah. you know, and throughout the second half of the record, you kind of get similar themes. Uh, he touches on like in more indigenous people as well on a couple tracks, which I thought was pretty nice, uh, given he is in, uh, uh, based in Australia. Um, the final three songs on this record tie up this concept in an interesting way to me. Uh, the first two of these three songs express optimism. They're about Genesis Owusu winning the fight against the two black dogs. You know, he has overcome depression. He's overcome racism. He found a way to be independent. He found a way to live with like a hopeful, self-loving, positive attitude. And, um, you know, the, the songs themselves sound very jubilant as, as well. Um, but of course, you know, depression and racism don't work like that. They're not so easily solved in reality. And so on the album closer, the two black dogs come back. Um, they're after him again because it's an ongoing struggle. You don't just permanently beat depression and racism. You know, that that's, it's a big, you know, scary ongoing fight. Um, that's ultimately the message of the album is, you know, you kind of, you do the best you can to live with it, but it's very difficult to permanently beat depression and racism. Um, and so he yeah. even mentioned, like, I didn't want to end on a positive note because that felt too Hollywood for me. You know, I, I wanted to end on, like, a real note. Um, so this is a concept album, so it's, it's super heady, and it's made for people who would rather study music as opposed to listen to it, right? Um, not in this case at all. This is, I would actually argue, this is the most fun record I've heard all year. Have you listened to this, by the way? No, I haven't, but oh. I'm definitely going to now. It I've is, been here. oh my gosh, it is so, like, I think I'm kind of burying the lead here in that even just on surface level, this is insanely fun and infectious and just a record you want to keep going back to. It's a little out there, but it's still very immediate and accessible you know it's a colorful genre blend of hip-hop r&b pop soul funk uh it's such a fun blend of those genres to the point that it reminded me of how i felt when i first listened to uh anderson pack malibu or janelle monet the arc android or even wow. the, the love below outcast um this this record's a little weirder than those records in my opinion but not to the point that i think it would turn off a lot of people um uh, there are songs on here that remind me of Prince. Uh, there are moments where, I kid you not, he sounds like MC Ride from Death Grips. Uh, there's a song on here, Drown, that has like a Bruce Springsteen feel to it. it it's This record is so versatile, and um, it, it's just it, it covers so much ground over the course of, I think, 53 minutes or something like that. Um, there are songs like Black Dogs and The Other Black Dog, uh, which are um, these energizing, pulsating tracks that like get me moving. I like listening to them while I run or lift weights or whatever. And then there's songs like No Looking Back or A Song About Fishing that are genuinely lovely, smile-inducing, wholesome ballads that reminded me of like Chance the Rapper's work with The Social Experiment. Um, 
Smiling With No Teeth is an impressive debut album. It's dynamic, it's like creative, it's super ambitious, but it doesn't sacrifice being, you know, vibrant and versatile as well. Uh, Genesis Owusu himself, no matter which style he's exploring at any given time, always has this dram-like charisma to him. You, you're just rooting for him the whole time. Mm. Uh, you can tell he really enjoyed making the album, given his flows, his hooks, and his energy throughout. I find myself dancing and singing along. I don't really have a lot of complaints other than just there are a couple songs here and there that I don't think quite meet the standards of the rest of the record. So I'm giving uh, Genesis Owusu, Smiling With No Teeth, a 9 out of 10. It's very good. Oh, nice. It's, it's such a good record. And uh, I want to say it's like top five rate your music as well. Needle Drop kind of yeah. gave him the, the yellow flannel bump. Um, so there is some hype uh, around this record, but... yeah. That's yeah, that's awesome. And starting it off with the nine too, I like that. Yeah, so just get the nine out of the way. Yeah. Yeah, um, that's that's so cool. Yeah, I, I've been hearing about this album, but I haven't heard much about it honestly, other than just it's really good. So this that concept and like the contrast from what it sounds like with the uh, Sonics makes that sound really interesting. So I'm definitely gonna check that out now. Yeah, and for a debut record, it's just I'm so excited to see how his career progresses from here and um just hearing him in interviews he just seems like i, I mean i don't really know any of these people of course but like you know he he seen, he comes across as someone you want to root for too um that's awesome that's so, yeah. so cool so yeah shout out to him nice that's awesome um all right well on to my second pick then all right um i have an artist that is a little bit more well known at this point, and for good reason, um, Julian Baker. Nice. With Little Oblivions. Um, yeah, I'm so glad to see how how much uh, the boy genius trio of Lucy Dacus, uh, Phoebe Bridgers, and Julian Baker have just blown up all in their own right, especially, you know, Phoebe Bridgers. Is that right? Has she has she gotten any publicity? <laughs> in case you had it, didn't know. <laughs> it's really cool to see because they're all, you know, very talented in their own way. And um, it's just really cool to see, just to see how much they've been able to, like, carve out their own pockets within this, like, indie folk uh, rockish kind of area, and they have such a strong fan base and um, their own unique aesthetics to it and everything. Um, but Julian, I, you know, you know, I love Phoebe Bridges. Yeah, she was she put out my favorite album of last year. Um, but Julian Baker uh, also just has such a very special place in my heart, and um, I loved her work on boy genius. Um, and I really loved turn out the lights, um, 2017 album that she put out. And this album is just a really great, um, a really great return from her. And also just like a really cool change of pace too, because this one definitely explores a lot more of a dynamic sound um, the choruses can be hugely anthemic at points on this. Um, and mm -hmm. her voice is just so versatile and it's so good at reaching down into these lower, 
uh, quieter, moodier registers, and then just switching on a dime to these really like highly energetic stadium build or uh, yeah, stadium filling levels of of loud and uh, but still having a really like beautiful quality to them and passionate quality to them. Uh, she's such a cool singer. I really love her voice. Um, I, I think it's awesome. And her songwriting has become more refined. And in some ways, I see people's complaints about that. Um, I've seen things about people talking about how this album is a little bit more formulaic in some ways by just following the standard indie pop hmm. um the the standard indie pop roadmap um and you know i and using her songwriting as an example of that because it's not as like sprawling in some ways as turn out the lights was but mm-hmm. i think that on, in this case it works in her favor because while this album is a lot more um Except, well, I mean, not a lot more accessible. Not like her past work was so inaccessible. Right. But this one is a lot more uh, close. It's closer to just the the formula, I guess, than her previous work. Um, it She commits to the style in a way that makes it her own. And her songwriting works really well because the best bits of it are saved for these standout moments. Um, and it ends up delivering a lot of really, like, quote-worthy lines and lyrics to it. Um, I mean, there's the one on the album cover of There's No Glory in Love, Only the Gore of Our Hearts, Hmm. um, which is a really cool and simple and very vivid image Mm -hmm. um, that paints a, a really rich picture of um, what she's trying to get at with her relationship struggles in the past and her 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 own personal relationship with being loved by somebody and having a, a codependent relationship that you're trying to you know fight your own individuality against and um, yeah anyway but she I think that she made it work really well on on this project. Um, bringing her songwriting to this. Um, yes, I, I think that the way that she like kicks things off to with Hardline is just such a perfect, like a perfect taste into how the album is the change of aesthetic into it into this album and how this album is embracing a more dynamic and full sound. Uh, that song itself is a standout. Um, other songs are. Faith Healer, I think, is really cool. Yep. Um, another thing of, from this song that is really dramatic and emotional on this album is her relationship with uh, substance abuse mm-hmm. that she talks about pretty in-depth on this project and across a bunch of different songs. And um, one thing that Julian Baker's so good at is just painting a narrative and putting the listener in her shoes or in the shoes of whatever um protagonist she's she's putting out into this into whatever song she's in um she does a really good job at like 
creating imagery and creating a, a, an environment. Um, and, you know, faith healers are a really good example of this. I think that you just connect really heavily with Julian Baker on this song, like um, hearing the struggles that she goes through on this and her back and forth between substance abuse and um, the general just hope that she's clinging on to throughout all these tracks too um, is very endearing and um, yeah I, I, I think that I think it's just it, it, it makes for a really emotional and beautiful listen um, so yeah the songwriting like I said is just it's brilliant it's heart-wrenching she just exhibits so much control over the narrative she paints all these pictures of hypothetical and real events um one real event in particular that was striking to me is um her painting this image of having a panic attack on the road hmm. because she's mm -hmm. witnessed a, a really se serious car accident and it's going to make her late for work hmm. um and then she has this chilling chilling realization of what she's worried about being late for work when somebody's family or you know somebody or somebody's family whoever was in the car may have died yeah. um and like those kind of moments on this album are like the striking like um and relatable moments because it's 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 relatable to feel so wrapped up in your own head and wrapped up in your own story uh, and anxieties and uh, you know whatever is happening that you just forget about about everybody else's experience around you um, it's easy to, to fall into that and sometimes there's sobering moments like seeing a really horrible car accident on the road to kind of like you know slap you back in your place and Get, give perspective and that's a really tragic thing too because you don't want those type of moments to be the moments that you're like oh you know it's not all about me that's right it, 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 it it's not a good feeling all the way around um and i think that the way that she conveyed that on on uh, the track heat wave um i thought it was just really brilliant and uh very relatable and uh and, and it, it put a little pit in my stomach too where i was like oh man that's you know it, <laughs> yeah i thought i thought it was i thought it was just really smart and um the instrumentation also was just really nice as well so and that's something that's nice on this album too is this juxtaposition of uh, sort of vibey indie pop in some ways honestly like she's she kind of goes um, if you're not listening to the lyrics, you could you can kind of throw this on a little bit, you know, when it's sunny out, and be like, "Oh, no, <laughs> this is kind of yeah." Pleasant. I, I could um, hear it played at like a craft brewery or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. And you know, if you're not listening, you'd be like, "Oh, this is pretty cool." Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. I definitely recommend checking out the lyrics uh, <laughs> because they give a lot more context on what's actually being said. But yeah. Um, um, yeah, so this, 
this album's great. I think it's just a beautiful and a very kind album too. I think that it's offering a lot of like genuine um, emotion to it that is, you know, there to help people and um, relate and just be honest. And I think that that's just a very worthy thing of praise and the way that she executed it too is just very, very artistic and creative and smart and, you know, I, and wholesome. I, I think that it's great. So, um, yeah, that's pretty much all I got to say on that. Another solid eight out of 10. Nice. Yeah. Great breakdown. I've, I've, uh, I've been meaning to give it more like full listens, so I don't really have a super nuanced opinion right now, but I do like it. And, I think, you know, the boy genius trio gets this sort of, they get unfairly lumped together, I think, where it's just like, oh, well, Julian Baker is just another other Phoebe Bridgers. Um, not yeah. not the case, in my opinion. You know, I, mm-hmm. I think this record is clearly distinct from, like, Punisher or any of Lucy Dacus's work. Um, so, yeah, I, I recommend this one, too. And it was more maximal, I guess, than I expected to, and, and I liked it for that. So. Yeah, that that was one thing because you know I, I kind of get the comparisons. I think that yeah, it's a little bit it's a little bit like um, it, it's underselling each of their talent to lump them but all together. Even though you know they did do boy genius together, <laughs> right? Their styles mesh well and close enough together for it to make sense. But I don't think it's necessarily just yeah right. Exactly. Yeah, I, I, I get why people are doing it, and that's kind of why I really like this project, because this is Julian Baker very much setting herself apart, because uh, Phoebe Richards does not have anything like this, for sure. <laughs> right, right. Um, so yeah, great pick. I, I figured you were going to recommend this one. I've seen, uh, you, you've seemed to like this record, so I'm glad mm-hmm. you talked about it. Um, my uh, The award for my next one is, it's really high praise, Okay. Um, this is nice. my second favorite jazz rock fusion of quarter one. You know, that's, oh, uh, only, man, that is only a hard the, one to get. <laughs> only the highest of possible praise yeah. here. Um, shout out you to know, Black Country you know New Road. Will likes the <laughs> yeah. jazz fusion. Yeah. yeah, and this is my second favorite. Uh, you know, me, big <laughs> jazz rock fusion guy of this past three months, this was my second favorite. Um. It, 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 it's hard to get on that Black Country New Road tier, but this <laughs> this band did a pretty good job. This is the self-titled record from Really From. Uh, I'm not sure if you've heard this record. I think it's been overlooked. Yeah, um, I haven't heard this. So Really From is a really good band from Boston. Uh, <laughs> do, you, do you have one for each of these? <laughs> Well, we're about to find out. I'm two for three right now. Um, you know, I'm almost there. Uh, okay, so they're a band that blends jazz, emo, indie, and math rock. So we're sticking with the genre fusion theme here. Uh, mm-hmm. This self-titled record is their third album, uh, but it's my first exposure to them, as it is with all the artists I'm recommending today. These are artists that are all new to me. I think Really From made a smart decision by self-titling this album, because much of the lyrical content is about this band's identity. This band is a mixed-race band. Um, and, of course, really from comes to mind the infamous question, where are you really mm. from, right? 
Um, so much of the, the lyricism on here is about the band's identity. Um, on the lead single, uh, which is called Trilingual, the band's two primary vocalists sing about their struggles with learning different languages in order to communicate with their own families. Uh, vocalist slash guitarist Chris Lee Rodriguez is attempting to learn Spanish uh, to, go, to grow closer to his family. And uh, vocalist slash keyboard synth player Michi Tassi is attempting to learn Japanese for similar reasons. And the song is about the insecurities that come with just trying to fit in with your own family in their case and their struggle in doing so because uh, they feel so detached just on the basis of language. Um, so yes, English, Spanish, Japanese, trilingual. Uh, this song gets bonus points for a clever title because it's actually called Trilingual, T-R-Y, lingual, trying to learn a new language. Um, so I, I like You that. love that. You know I like that, and it's... <laughs> <laughs> As this podcast is evidence, I do love yeah. little wordplay like that. Um, but m many of the other songs here dive into identity as well. One of my favorites is called Yellow Fever, which I interpret as a song about the fetishizing of Asian women, uh, which is a topic that I think many of us are thinking about or should be thinking about in relation to the recent shootings at Atlanta area massage parlors. Um, Michi Tassi sings on here, You want those eyes, pale skin, black hair, you called it yellow fever. I grit my teeth and freeze, no words come out. Um, the song I'm From Here had some of my favorite standout lyrics as well. Uh, I was raised by the fear of my own skin. I come from a whole of different parts. I'm from weary souls and broken hearts. If you ask me where I'm from, I'll say the rage, the lights, the sea. I'll say the pain passed down on me. Uh, I think this album's great lyrically, uh, so let's move on to Sonics, which I, I don't think I've discussed like at all to this point. Um, this is a pretty original sound to my ears, uh, though I suppose the closest comparison that comes to mind, uh, and you may have thought of this just as soon as I mentioned the genres, was American football. Mm -hmm. And I'm not just saying that just because the chorus of Yellow Fever may or may not be a scrapped lyric from Never Meant. Um, it's, if you could, would you take back all the things you said, which I was like, okay, that's, that's the never meant ethos right there. Mm -hmm. Um, but the, the record sounds as clean, as crisp and as smooth as American football's best work. Uh, it's mixed and produced well. It's a little jazzier than American football, but it still has those emo and math rock sounds that I love. Um, and as you listen to Really From, you don't doubt that these are professional musicians. There is so much technicality on this record and just well-executed decision-making in the songwriting process. Um, there really isn't one musician that outshines any other here. Uh, really From knows how to share the wealth in that regard. Shout out to Matt Hull and Sander Bryce for their uh, brass playing and drumming, respectively, throughout the record. Uh, they always kill it. And um, yeah, most songs on here feature vo both vocalists uh, to some capacity. So the entire band kind of works together. Their the sum is great. Wait, what is it? The whole is greater than the sum of their parts? Is that what I'm trying to say? Uh, yeah, right, yeah. Yeah, right. The, the, they have fantastic chemistry, and they all do an excellent job of giving the other members moments to shine. Uh, I love just the vocals and the instrumentation throughout the record. I love the variety here. Even within a single song, I don't want to spoil anything, but there are a lot of left hooks that the band likes to throw. Um, there's a lot I like about this record, all right? But I do have a couple of minor nitpicks. Uh, the album has nine songs and is only 34 minutes in length, 
which as you know, is absolutely not a problem. <laughs> mm-hmm. you, you know how much I can complain about albums that are too long. Right, yeah. The issue here to me though is that, okay, nine songs, 34 minutes. One of them is just kind of this brief interlude that isn't too noteworthy. And a couple of the other songs here, I feel like are just kind of fine. So now all of a sudden, you know, now we're down to like six songs that I think are just very good. Um, and so when the album is so short, there isn't as much room for error. The other thing here is that the closure here isn't bad, but it's probably my least favorite song on the album sonically. And that's because it's such a jarring departure from how the rest of this record sounds. Uh, up until the closure, this is a jazz-infused math rock album, but this final song is a lo-fi acoustic song reminiscent of like early Mountain Goats. It's not bad, but it, like, oh. really, you know, I thought my Spotify had just gone on to, like, album radio <laughs> based on Really From or something. I'm like, what the heck happened? Um, that's about it for complaints, though. Uh, I love this record. It's probably my pick for the most underrated record of 2021 so far. I've only seen it covered on Pitchfork, I think, and even then they gave it, like, a 7.8. Um, also, the album cover is just, it's beautiful, it's so clean, chef's kiss, all of that. Uh, I'm giving this really from self-titled an 8 out of 10. Really solid nice. 8. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I haven't I haven't even heard of that, actually. I think you would really like it. I honestly do. Uh, yeah. So I hope you find time to give it a listen. Yeah, this is, this is great. You got two projects that... I haven't heard yet that I'm definitely really interested in checking out. Yeah, I'm, I'm confident you haven't heard my third one either, because I don't think it's up your lane at all. I'm not even sure I'd recommend it to you specifically, but we're going to find out. <laughs> Ooh, okay. Well, my third one, I know that you've heard, but okay. I also know is not up your lane. Okay. This is this is me. This is, this is my <laughs> stuff. <laughs> I love it. I think I think you know where I'm going with this one. I have an idea. Um, it is one of one of my I don't know if I would say favorite acts, but an act that a band that like I just I love. I I, I'm, I love the concept of them, and I love the thematic ideas that they bring. And okay. um, they put out, they're very prolific, so they put out a bunch, they put out tons of projects, and, you know, sometimes I can come with, like, eh, mixed hmm. stuff, but other times it's like, this is great. And this this year, they really outdid themselves. Uh, it's The Body. Mm, mm-hmm. um, their new album is I've Seen All I Need to See. Um the album title is awesome the artwork is just it's like so bleak and heavy and weird and distorted and really really cool um some of my favorite album artwork that they've put out and this is this is one of my favorite the body albums that they put out in a long time it's it Hmm. it holds up with some of their best work like um no one deserves happiness and, oh Jesus! That's right. Uh, <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, and they're and they're twenty seventeen, um, but this one really brings the gravity and weight to, uh, to just amps it up to eleven. Um, 
and the body, you know, I, I know that that like for fans of the body or people that have listened to them in the past, like I know that that's got to be saying a lot because generally any project that you put on by them, you're going to be put be hit by a lot of weight and a lot of uh, very oppressive sounds. But this yes. one especially just seems to be seems to have distilled a lot of the crushing aesthetics that. I heard from them in the past and just kind of dialed it in um, into a more simplified and a more aggressive way. Um, and in some ways, like it makes it actually one of their most accessible albums um, because they've kind of taken, they've taken like all these ideas from the past of these sort of just deep, thick, noisy, uh, synth lines and bass lines um, and just contorted them into a very simplified and concentrated way so you understand the aesthetic without having to get too much context about what the band is to begin with um, but it's also like just as crushing and just as oppressive as you could have asked for mm -hmm. in like one of the projects like I Shall Die Here which is one of their heavier projects too. And all these album titles are going to be like that, by the way. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this is who the body is. And that is also part of what I love about them. This just severe commitment to this just bleak, bleak aesthetics. Yes. Yes. Uh, heavy nihilistic tendencies. Um, so yeah, like I said, the, Sonics on this are just crushingly heavy. Um, they have these really like thick, gurgling synth lines that just uh, that that just parse themselves throughout and absorb the track in a way. And um, their signature sound on this, um, if you know fans of the body understand this, but for people who haven't listened to the body before, the one of the signatures of the body is just this incomprehensible scream that mm -hmm. just like carries itself throughout most of the tracks um and at times like the the band members chip king and lee buford buford um they they do their own like kind of classic traditional uh death metal s screams doom metal screams i guess you could call them um, you'll hear that occasionally on this, but in general, uh, the vocals are brought in this just very chilling, very, uh, yeah, very chilling, very cutting, just uh, indecipherable scream that just makes its way throughout and uh, sings lyrics, I guess. I mean, like, I, it, mm -hmm. it's kind of more of a, you have to just suspend your disbelief as to what is actually being said um, and just look up the lyrics as a, as, as kind of like a guide into how, like, the track is supposed to feel. Um, so, for example, though, um, the each track on this album is met with, like, a mantra, basically, um, they're very short, like one or two lines, um, and the indecipherable scream, like I said, mm -hmm. is delivering these lines in an extremely chilling way. One of the most chilling is on the track Tied Up and Locked In, 
which they actually recorded before the pandemic, which is kind huh. of freaky. <laughs> yeah. Um, and they were saying uh, themselves, I think Lee Buford gave an Apple Music interview and was like, we didn't, we didn't even know this was going to happen. We recorded this before the pandemic, but it is actually really apropos, especially with the claustrophobia of this record. Um, so the, the mantra or lyrics on this, I've been calling them a mantra because it kind of seems like that is, mm-hmm. I will die alone. I will die far from you. Ashes, dust, and thirst. Wow. Um, <laughs> so, wow. Yeah. So that that is that is what you get on <laughs> this project. Um, but it's like it, it's moments like that that are just like this severe existential dread that also weirdly correlates into. I think maybe this is part of the reason why this album has been hitting so significantly for me too. Um, the way that it correlates with the anxiety and the fear and the existential dread and the just repetition of patterns um, every day, like during quarantine. And, you know, it's been so long that, like, everybody feels this just, mm-hmm. you know, to, to varying degrees, but, but it's affected everybody in this weirdly connective but also... Um, as we've seen politically and socially in a very divisive way too. And that brings with it a lot of uh, paranoia and a lot of, yeah, a lot of just a lot of fear, paranoia and claustrophobia too, because, you know, people that are actually locking down can, are, you know, it it can be kind of trapping. Um, So, even though the body didn't intend for that to happen, this mm. album mm-hmm. seems to hit even harder because of the context of the past year. Um, sure. You know, but at, at least for me. Um, but I think that it's, it works in its favor, and I think that it, like, it kind of gives credence to the mission that the body has always been about, which is kind of like pushing these very nihilistic tones and ideas um and it it's kind of sad yeah um and i'm not trying to like you know i'm not trying to to promote nihilism by in any way but like it kind of gives value and and uh meaning or it gives value and like credence to to these ideas because of the past year it's like yeah see we told you every (laughs) everything is bad there's nothing you can do like uh, you should just give up and scream into the void. Um, yeah, I, I think that it, it's just an interesting, there's an interesting parallel between those ideas and the current world that we're living in right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so in, anyway, beyond all that, though, um, there is there is also like there, there's the polarizing like edginess of this album which i just you know spend some time talking about that i really like and definitely can turn people off um i get that it's it's really the body is is are a very polarizing band to begin with and this album i would say is pretty polarizing as well mm-hmm. um but one thing that i think is 
appreciable across the boards. The mixing and the production on this album is just fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually such a pleasing sound, even though there's all these like sharp, jagged, brutally thick sounds. Um, there's a lot of just pleasing sonic moments to this that are like um, the noise just seems to like melt away. And even though it's genuinely really scary, sometimes I forget how scary it is because I'm like, man, this album sounds so good. Yeah. <laughs> um, some interesting moments that are used on here where the sound will just drop out, um, kind of like I, I, uh, I remember on the Code Orange album last year, they did that on like Swallowing the Rabbit Hole where they would just clip the sound completely out and it's a really jarring like moment, and but uh, but I think that it works in that case and on, in this case too um, to highlight some of the more profound elements of the production. Um, yeah, so yeah, this is just a, a very refreshing album. I know it's weird to say, but for me, it feels sure. very refreshing. Uh, it gives a lot of cathartic context on the things that everybody has had to be dealing with during the pandemic. Um, but also just in general, it gives a lot of cathartic, uh, a lot of cathartic emotion and release, uh, just in, in general for just what it's like being a person. Um, yeah, don't really have much else to say about this. I love this project. One of the best The Body projects I've heard. It is a high eight and nice. uh, has definitely the potential to be moving closer to that nine territory. Oh, yeah. Okay, nice. Nice. Yeah. Love that. I, You know, I listen to it. It's one of those things. It's not for me, but I think it's really well done for what it is and what it's trying to do. Um, yeah. So, so if this it's, is remotely in your lane, I, I would recommend it. Uh, yeah. They're they're just, they are a very polarizing group, and it's you know that I, I, that's really all that it is. It's you, I I can't imagine somebody that's like yeah, buddy, you're pretty cool. Like yeah. <laughs> it's kind of a thing of like they you either love them or you're like no, that's not for me. Right, right. Yeah. Um, no, I I do love that pick though. Um, because yeah, I think they're polarizing even among, like you said, even among the uh, uh, the online community. I guess uh, I yeah. think they're even polarizing in that regard. Um, so mm-hmm. yeah, no, great, great recommendation. Um, all right, our I guess our final recommendation of the day, my third one. Uh, I'm giving this the "Don't Judge an Album by Its Track List" award. Uh, a decent lesson that I need to remind myself every now and then. Mm. Um, this is Getz with the album Conflict of Interest. Uh, oh, okay. Getz is a British hip-hop artist. Uh, Conflict of Interest is his third studio album, and it gets my recommendation. Three for three. Three people. <laughs> All right. Nailed it. There we are. I did it. All right, that's the podcast. And there you have it. Getz. No. <laughs> um, I-, I heard about this album when it was released back in mid-February, I think, and I skipped it at the time because of the track list. Uh, it's a 70-minute record with an Ed Sheeran feature. Uh, Ed Sheeran, you might know from Game of Thrones. Um, 
And I was like, no, thank you. Not for me. Pass. Uh, too long. And it has Ed Sheeran. Like, what are we doing here? Uh, that was me. That was me at the time. a good rule to go by. <laughs> and I thought so, too. I was like, there's so much to listen to. What What am I doing? Um but recently, I took a look at Metacritic's highest-rated albums of the year so far, and sure enough, gets Conflict of Interest at number one with a Metacritic rating of 95 out of 100. Uh, only seven reviews, but still, you know, 95 is good even with seven reviews. So, Will, you might ask, you're recommending this album. Are you saying that you agree with the 95 out of 100 Metacritic rating? Are you saying that this 70-minute record doesn't have any filler in it? Are you? Are you saying that, like, you loved the Ed Sheeran feature? I didn't say any of that, all right? Like, let's not, <laughs> let's not put words in my mouth now. Um, the middle portion of Conflict of Interest conflicts with my interests. Little bonus wordplay for you. You thought I was oh, done after three. This is crazy. <laughs> the pen game is crazy. Um, you really outdone yourself on this one. I, I sure record. did. I'm, I'm proud of this one. Um, yeah, so the middle portion of this record is Getz's attempt to commercialize his sound. You know, it, It's a poppy direction that Getz doesn't always seem comfortable exploring, I, I'll say. You know, these songs in the middle of the album aren't super terrible or anything, in my opinion. I just feel as if he's reaching a little bit. Uh, the hooks, I think, are a fine example of that. That all said, this album begins and ends strong if you're a fan of UK hip-hop. Uh, I'm actually surprised at how unpoppy this album can sound. Uh, the instrumentals on these like grimier cuts are hard-hitting, they're nocturnal, they're dark, uh, which is kind of standard from, you know, like grime. But what sets this album apart for me instrumentally is just how dynamic these instrumentals can sound. Um, many of these songs are over five minutes long, and so that gives the instrumentals time to develop. Uh, elements are often added or removed as the songs progress. The instrumentals frequently utilize strings or pianos in order to contrast the otherwise kind of bass-heavy, grimy sounds. Um, most of the time, Getz is working within this style, and I think that's for his benefit. I think it suits his strengths. You know, most songs here don't have Ed Sheeran features, all right? Um, <laughs> in fact, they seemingly feature every hot grime artist right now. Uh, Skepta, Stormzy, Dave, uh, Giggs, all of them sound fantastic here. And if you remember the name Giggs, it's likely because of his two appearances on Drake's More Life. <laughs> Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. That's exactly it. Uh, and Skepta and Dave are both uh, Mercury Prize winners. Stormzy has a lot of hype. Um, speaking of Drake, though, which is a damning thing to say when you're recommending an album, <laughs> uh, <laughs> some of this album's lyrical approaches do remind me of the Six God himself. Uh, the poppy portion of this Gets record does contain some texture X bars. You know, there's there are voicemails and everything. Um, oh. Yeah, but my, my favorite Drake songs, and I've discussed this with you before, on or off the pot, I can't remember, but I do genuinely, unironically like the uh, Drake songs that usually album closures on which he's kind of rapping at length about his life and his status and his legacy, mm -hmm. just sort of like enter the mind of Drake. Um, and those are my favorite Drake songs. And if those are your favorite kind of Drake songs, and if you're drawn to that Drake 
you know, I think you might like this Getz album as well. Uh, the song Autobiography, for example, spends nearly seven minutes uh, in, in that lane, reflecting on Getz's life. Uh, Proud Family is another sort of sentimental moment, which details his upbringing while acting as a touching tribute to his family. Um, it, the lyrical themes can get uh, sociopolitical as well. Uh, Sonia is a judgment-free look at the life of escorts from the perspective of an escort. Um, the song IC3, which is the UK police code for a black person, uh, showcases uh, Gets willingness to get political. Um, I like a line he says on here, don't tell me to go back where I came from while the queen sits there in stolen jewels. Um, mm -hmm. I, I really like Getz as a rapper. I do. It, you know, nice lyricism, solid rhyme schemes, fantastic voice and delivery. It, it, it's, it has a great edge to it sometimes. It, you know, it's, it's actually kind of nasty at times, and I, I really liked that. Um, I'm glad I decided to listen to Conflict of Interest uh, despite my initial hesitation. And hesitation's not strong enough of a word. I outright dismiss this album. <laughs> I'm giving myself a little bit too much credit there. Um, I expected songs like 10,000 Tears, which you can tell is the featuring Ed Sheeran song almost immediately. <laughs> or if you're just like, hey, there's a song on here called 10,000 Tears. By the way, guess which song features Ed Sheeran? Right, yeah. yeah. Um, instead, you know, I mean, we did get a couple songs like that. But instead, I mostly got these five-minute-plus dynamically produced bangers with hooks that don't feel like hooks. And I mean that in a good way, right? Um, instead, I got songs like Little Bo Peep, which is a genuinely epic and beautiful closer that touches on various forms of addiction. Um, it's about sheep, but not in like a uh, wake-up sheeple, you know, not, not in like that. But just sort of this idea that like, you know... Uh, not enough people we're following various things right um and you know just various forms of addiction like i said i'm quite happy with this album despite that stretch in the middle that isn't my cup of tea but the parts that are my cup of tea uh include some of my favorite uk hip-hop songs in a while uh fine wine mozambique little bo peep uh there are so many on here that are just like a step above what I typically hear kind of in the UK hip-hop and grime scene. Um, Patrick, I'm not necessarily recommending this album to you. I don't I don't think you would really like it all that much, but I am gladly recommending this to our audience. So I, I am giving Getz Conflict of Interest an 8 out of 10. Nice. Yeah. So... Yeah, it sounds, it sounds interesting, at least. I might have to check it out just to see. Yeah, I would genuinely like... And you know how much I love Ed Sheeran. That's the thing, too. Like, he's not until track nine or so, but if you can stomach through... <laughs> no, honestly, if you listen to, like, the first two, three tracks and you're still not feeling it, okay, you could probably bail. But uh, yeah, okay. I was impressed enough by the first few tracks to be like, okay, you know what? I'm going to stick around and see what happens. Um, and ultimately, I ended up loving the whole thing. Um, nice. So, yeah, those are our recommendations uh, for quarter one. Um yeah, uh, I mean, just as we mentioned, uh, you know, I guess you and I had different feelings on the, you know, slightly different feelings on the quarter as a whole, but there was a, a lot of good music released, mm -hmm. and there were more records we could have recommended today, I'm sure, but, uh, you know, that's what end-of-year stuff is for. You know, I'm sure there's albums we could have talked about that will appear on our year-end list. Um, mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, and albums that I haven't even gotten to yet, as is evidenced by... Will's list. Yeah, so. I, right. I still have to listen to the Paranormal record. Um, right. 
And uh, yeah, thank you all for listening. Uh, if you have recommendations, uh, hit us up on Twitter at, at Will Brost and at Patrick Anderson, like the star. Um, and uh, with that, Patrick, thank you for joining me. Always a blast. Thank you all for listening and have a great day. Peace.